Well, hello everybody and welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a guest to choose a story and to secretly nominate their favourite things about it. I have to watch, commentate along and see if I can identify what those favourite things might be. Hi, I'm Erica Lear and um, I'm part of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society and I also uh, run my own Doctor Who conventions in, in the North West. The story I've chosen is the, the Case of Androzani. Well, hello everybody, and it's time for the final part of my sojourn to Androzani major and minor uh, with complete one-off Erica Lear. I mean... She's got to be a complete one-off. The universe cannot contain more than one. Uh, what a jolly, uh, scatty pile of energy she is. Uh, good fun to be around. Uh, a game contributor to this. Unsurprisingly, um, issuing anything sensible <laughs> for as many mentions of how sexy Peter Davison is, which is not going to be high on my list of things that I will be eulogising about the Caves of Androzani. So it just goes to show we all enjoy the programme in different ways. So welcome to part four of the Caves of Androzani, or as it's doubtless known to Erica, the Peter of Peter, um, or the sexy Peter of sexy Peter. And um, let's um, see what happens in lovely Peter's fight final episode of be quiet be quiet sorry uh, i'm being heckled by the robot lady whose name i will not mention because when i do it, i will activate yours and that's how they intend to take over the world um, but i'd actually for the first time in ages i'd remember to lower her volume um, in order that i did not invoke her during the opening titles of the episode and therefore activate yours. So I've got it all in place and she's obviously taking umbrage and is giving me shtick. Um, but uh, she stopped now, the uh, the speaker who shall not be named. So I hope you have lined up your final Peter Davison episode, The Caves of Androzani Part 4. I am going to press play in three, two, one. And of course, this, whilst it is the last Peter Davison episode of Doctor Who, it is not the last episode in which Peter Davison gets top billing as Doctor Who, because that has passed. That is episode three of The Caves of Androzani. That is the last time the Doctor Peter Davison is the first, is the first slide on the co closing captions, because Colin Baker gets first billing on Peter Davison's last episode. I I mean, I think, you know, the it, it tends to be that the latest, the newest Doctor always gets top billing, but uh, uh, I, I think I would be I would be slightly sad if I were Peter I'm sure Peter Davison doesn't care. He doesn't strike me as somebody that gives a monkey about such things. But uh, but I would kind of go, oh, I'm the last episode. Get me, let me have top billing in my last episode. Anyway, uh, we are picking up off... Um, universally acknowledged as the, you know, one of the, one of the t t high end cliffhangers in the whole of Doctor Who history. But as Erica has pointed out, uh, one that exists in the shadow of a bit where Peter Davison flicks his hair. But what a brilliant build up of tension! The shuddering camera, uh, yeah, the, the the burning of the wrists. That shot is absolutely fantastic. Um, the you know the, the the depth of field of the camera and everything. Um, and, and the urgency of the performance. And you sort of buy why, you know, because quite often it's, why doesn't the baddie just kill him? Well, I think, you know, there's enough to suggest, well, he doesn't want to be, he, he doesn't want to be shooting, you know, when a guy's at controls of his spaceship. But Babe Davison throws himself backwards and forwards, then has a moment to sort of slightly regain consciousness because he's, you know, you can tell he's sort of bursting behind the eyes with the, the illness. He conveys that, uh, he conveys that, uh, and oh, and yeah, I like the way that... Um, uh, uh, Morris Reeves picks up the, the, the handcuff as if to go ah oh, so that's how he escaped it's all there it's all there every you know every single shot has 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 either a piece of interaction or a piece of character or a little you know a bit of plot emphasis um, never has a Doctor Who quarry looked so good 
uh, and uh, you know this is quite a protracted gun sequence we have here and I, and I loved these guns as a kid for some reason just the augmentation of the the oozes with the gas canisters seemed very grown up to me um, and you know sand you know that's again quite undocked we we don't always see you know bullets hitting their target or taking chunks out of things certainly not in in classic doctor who you know occasionally one or two but but uh, you know because i have to set a charge for every time there's one of those um and and this is nice a nice quiet moment for stots um i did i did like uh morris reeves he was definitely my favorite character when i watched this first time around um just because you know he seemed as he seemed like he was from a grown-up program um now one of these one of these uh, soldiers gets a few lines uh uh later on he's, he's called ian staples and i was actually put in touch with ian he's a work colleague of someone that i was that, I, that i'm in touch with and uh but it was just getting to the back end of uh who's round that's him ian staples there and um and I, I i'm afraid i don't think i ever did get in touch i got to the point where i just I was so tired and uh, I have dropped the ball on a few things. And it's odd because I sometimes, you know, have, you know, pointed other people in the direction of some people. And say, Did you ever contact that person? They go, oh, no, I didn't. And I go, well, why didn't they do that? But uh, I've got my fair share of those as well. Time, time sort of runs away. And all of this is, you know, stuff one does in one's spare time. It's not my living. I, he's, he says as somebody that went on Patreon during lockdown, but that's that's slightly different. But g generally, the Doc 2 stuff is my is my hobby. Um, this is brilliant it is such an ignominious uh death uh and brilliantly done and i i like the way you know he takes the trouble of sort of being thrown backwards by the force of the machine gun but and it, and it's not it, there's a slight arrogance to what salatine does in that he drops his guard and he goes you know it's fine but um and yeah he checks his body checks for the pulse and he's dead um but but I do love that kind of no 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 it's going to be fine and then just uh, you know no heroics nothing special just moan down uh, and you know we're we're only a couple of minutes into the episode and one of the you know one of the characters that we've got to to know and kind of you know he's had that journey of being Jack's prisoner and and, and coming back and uh, and then being in a position to to help Chelak and you know the tides are turning and then no just poof. Yeah, you're wiped out. So here are here are Jerry O'Brien and Roy Holder chasing uh, Peter Davison. Both actors died in the same year, the year before last, as I record this. Um, so I was able to keep them both together uh, in my in memoriam video. That's Gareth Milne doing the fall down there. We need to see an interview with Gareth Milne. He's not featured on any of the the DVD or, or Blu-ray extras, and he was Peter Davison's stunt double. Uh, that's a fantastic shot. I I think there is an argument that in the in the brilliant staging of that chase, uh, uh, some of the angles make Krelpa and uh, Jerry O'Brien's non-speaking um, mercenary chap. Um, seem quite close to Davison. So although we've got the lovely thing of the, the bullets flying and the sand bursting up, there there is a kind of, can they really not hit him from there? But actually those those oozes, are, I think, I think are quite those short, you know, if they're short guns that do bursts of bullets, they're not the easiest to aim. Uh, and, and, and some of the angles, I, I think that it pulls off very convincing, but I don't think always, always entirely. And, and, and poor old Roy Holder is having to do a bit of keep up, keep up as though he's sort of drilling a platoon, whereas he's actually just yelling at his mate. But I think they just about get away with it. But I think, I think those who, who are inclined to be picky and certainly not weirs would be going, oh, they could have, you know, could they not hit a barn door? Um, which is always a criticism of, you know, most action programs where people are firing guns in that you know um if 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 they hit everybody they aimed at um there wouldn't be much room for drama um although actually i'm you know i'm not sure how easy it is to hit people with guns especially you know machine guns held at held at uh hip hip height uh whilst whilst you're running at the same time um but anyway i yeah i i i think the giddy the giddy sort of camera work is is beautifully done you know harper's clearly sort of planned that and and enjoyed shooting it and it's a good it's a good sequence and then we have the contrast of uh of, of you know it's it's much d darker here and the cameras are much closer and uh you know it does feel like everything's closing in uh and you know, Jack, Jack, I mean, I know we have that stuff of Morgus sort of turning to camera, but Jack is kind of narrating his stuff here as well. He's, he's kind of saying that he's sort of talking to himself, but he is he is keeping us in on it. And, oh, and I love this bit because I think you see um, 
you know, this this could look awful. Uh, and I, I like the way when he fires, you see sort of bits flying about. Um, because it, there's not much space in that studio and there's not much room for any new kind of sets. So it could just look like, you know, that your two remaining actors from, from these these scenes kind of... Uh, you know, facing off like the, the the sea devils and the guys in the the sea base in uh, Warriors of the Deep, where you know they're you know three foot away from each other, missing each other. But but Harper shoots it well enough, and uh, and uh, you know having having uh, Jack there kind of hiding in a crevasse while he's sort of busying about trying to lay up his defenses, you know, and then and then suddenly Chellac's there and he's in a knock and he's firing and he's on the run and it's, you know, it's frenetic as you can get with multi-camera. So this is how they shoot soap opera. This is how they shoot sitcom. And we're doing, you know, Doctor Who's equivalent of a, of a sort of war movie. Um, and it's, I think it's really well done. Uh, and this is nice suddenly having these two characters where you've got the sort of cold, glassy-eyed... Um, but apparently, but 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 you know, very civilized, uh, Morgus, and you've got the the pragmatic, dirty, uh, 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 Stotts, but who essentially then says to his, you know, isn't that is that I love the way this relationship turns, and he and he later on doesn't he, he just goes, you know, you're just a man with a gun, uh, uh, and you, you know, Stotts is you know keen to sort of go, yeah, yeah, you do what you want, whatever, but but. You know, I've got your number, pal. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. At the end of the day, I want to get out of here alive and with some money. I seem to recall in the book, in that bit later where he says, you're just a man with a gun. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to split it half and half. Um, I'm sure Terence Dick says, and Morgus works out, of, and Morgus agrees. And then, you know, in his mind is working out a way of getting rid of Stott so he gets to keep it all. But, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I don't like the idea of Morgus getting one and over on Stotts. I actually quite like it that they're both pragmatists who have both got the the level of one another. And if if they had got to the position where Morgus could have killed off, tried to kill Stotts and, and betray him at the end, Stotts would have seen that coming and would have made a contingency uh, whereby they both get... There's another universe where they neither of them get killed and they, they both go off with their 50%. That's the happy ending. This That's a decent effect shot. And again... The way that the close-ups and everything there are filmed of, of Davison uh, are fantastic. Um, oh, is this and this? Oh, and now Chalak's in, yeah. Uh, uh, and I, oh, I like the way that he fires. A, Jack manages to fire a shot off, uh, but he's trying to keep Perry safe. You know, poor old Nicola Bryant get, doesn't get an awful lot to do other than be a bit poorly and be covered in a blanket in this episode. But uh, uh, it is a bit of a sort of macho bloodbath, isn't it? Um, and, you know, here's a sign of not judging by appearances, Chelak, because uh, if uh, if you weren't so upset by by Sharazjek's face, you wouldn't have just got caught in the mud yourself. I remember Graham Harper, I think, saying in a in an interview that he felt Chelak's death was slightly botched. And it's not entirely clear what's going on. They, I mean, they sell it, but I think he'd wanted to show... Um, you know, with more finality that Chalak's getting, you know, washed away by the by the mud and it with a wipe or something. But it, and it doesn't quite happen. I think that's beautiful. You know, the fact that she screams at him as Chalak has just done. But the handheld camera that backs away uh, as he, uh, you know, goes and hides under the table because, you know, of of her fear at his physiognomy is, I think, is very touching. Uh, is that the, the the movement of the camera there is absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and you know, it's not just the bad guys that recoil in horror at Jack. The nice old Perry does as well. And that, you know, that is the key to what is wrong, you know, with a lot of us now. Um, I, I, I suspect my other half would would go. But the, the cliche of the, the person with a deformity being twisted mentally by other people's reactions and that making them do bad things is a is a is an ableist cliche and i would perhaps find it difficult to argue with that these days but uh uh i i think it's done very well here and and in in isolation of all those other things that i know that are important about disability etc etc i think within the you know within the context of this uh it works, although I wouldn't argue with anybody that uh, that had a difference of opinion, especially if they are people that have had to put up with uh, the sort of assumptions uh, and dismissals 
and r recoiling that uh, uh, people with uh, difference and disability have to put up with. But what a brilliant camera move. What, a, what an excellent performance from Christopher Gable. You do feel sorry for Jack. Um, and, and I don't mean pity, patronising. I mean, you, you empathise with him, even though, you know, he's the bad guy. One of the bad guys. Is he the bad guy? Everyone's... Well, no, not everyone's Shades of Grey. Stots and Morcus are horrible. But then you kind of like him. Um, and I kind of like the fact that Stots hates Krelper and Krelper hates Stots. Uh, and and it kind of makes sense that these guys go, do you know what? We're not going out there now. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of dangers out there. We've got what we want. We're men of limited needs. Um, and, of course, the, the, the real, re reality of it is... You know, the, the story doesn't really need Krelper anymore because Stotts has got Morgus to talk to. But Robert Holmes being Robert Holmes goes, well, you know, they could easily have gone all four of them and, and Krelper and, and the other one could have been, you know, killed by the dragon or blown away by the, one of the dummies or whatever. It's much more fun to uh, <laughs> to do this. And again, it's so simply done. You know, they've let their guard down. They have a chat and he very slowly walks back uh, and... Uh, but I remember the vicar going, well, uh, why would he, sh you know, he's going to damage his spaceship there if he shoots there. Well, you can sort of go, well, no, he, he's close enough to just hit them. Um, and the controls were a little bit to the left. And, oh, just come on. It's a really good scene. It's a really, you know, lovely moment of kind of, uh, uh, you know, violence, but uh, and cruel that that is t it, utterly in keeping with that character and those those two characters' interactions, and um, just like the good bits for the good bits, and not sort of try and see the bad interpretation. I really do. Why do people? And I'm not a goody goody, but why why people watch things with a constant desire to pick holes? You don't win. You don't win. There's any number of reasons why it's okay for him to shoot in that space, if you want there to be. There's also any number of reasons for it not to be okay. Fine, but we can't... St what, what did we, did we, does the scene work because he, he walks up and slowly lets off the, the shots and then grins and walks off? Or does he then need to walk up to Morgus and go, now you may be thinking, Morgus, why did I shoot them in the control room of my spaceship? But actually, that corner there, there's no important equipment anywhere. I was. Do you know what I mean? Ah, just fill in the blanks yourself and fill them in sympathetically to the program or don't but you know when when program makers don't just not think of a lot of this stuff they hope that you're invested enough in the drama that they don't keep having to slow it down to explain it all to your satisfaction um every step of the way uh because i think i think sometimes what if if, if people had what they sometimes demand of program makers they wouldn't like that what they were given because it would be terribly boring um but anyway I think I'm preaching to the converted, but sometimes it's cathartic to get it out. Uh, quite nice that the celery gets uh, where I come from. It's a p uh, powerful restorative, of course, because in episode one of we've we've had the 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 gases in the praxis range of the spectrum, and the praxis range of the spectrum is from a it's from praxis typewriter, isn't it? Um, but uh, I mean, I I think the celery. Can we talk about the celery for a It's a weird choice, isn't it? Why? I, I, I do quite like Davison's costume now. I wasn't wild about it uh, back in the day. I still think the cricket jumper ties it too much to one century and indeed one sport. Um, whereas actually the jacket and the trousers don't if you don't want them to. I think it's the, the piping on the on the jumper that is, you know, you could see that in any any school playing field at the at the time. Uh, uh or, or variations thereof, and I think it, I think it's just too time and place specific. Um, but I, I, nonetheless, I still think it's quite a quite a nice costume. Um, but who thought? Yeah, and what we really need is, I mean, did they reject other vegetables? Was that was you know was there half an aubergine? Was there yeah, was there a, was there a, a, a sort of scattering of pomegranate seeds? I mean, what what. Uh, what what did they do? Was there a staff? They could have. Yeah, this is where I wear my staff root for mathematical excellence in in fruit and in in fruit and veg in pounds and ounces. Um, and the, the 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 love you don't get lighting as dark as this. You don't get close ups like this either. Um, you know, Harper's so bold as to go really really close in and do profiles and 
and, and, and sweat on people's faces and say hair on Sharon's Jack's hands. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Um, and of course, what's, you know, Davison's sacrifice. Yes, the, the, the death is, yeah, ah, poor dragon. We have to see the dragon killed off. Um, uh, a mercifully brief appearance from the dragon and a mercifully stationary one flat on his back um but you know the doctor's death you know it's it's initiated by a you know a, you know a, a, as with salatine's death you know something something you know a death a terrible the, the you know the most final decisive ending you know death um uh, but the doctor's this this incarnation's death is is you know initiated by you know yeah a, a tumble into a sticky fuzzy ball but that that would be that would be too much bathos i think so he does actually get a hero's journey here he gets to he sacrifices his life to save his friend and that means that in this final episode as the murder and mayhem is going on around him he goes to um to milk a bat <laughs> um he goes to grapple with bat udders um is that what lord melchit calls uh edmund in uh, general melchit calls <laughs> hello bat udders um i remember the vicar as well um and i don't know i keep quoting the vicar because uh recap i watched these at the vicar's house because he was kind enough to video doc two for me because i was away at school because mum uh had to go to back to work and, and couldn't uh couldn't couldn't get me on couldn't pick me up from the school bus so i went and stayed stayed at a, a local boarding school paid for by a charity so it meant i missed doctor who and watched it at the vicar's at the weekend and uh and some of his comments have stuck with me. Well, you know, I've, I mean, he's essentially the mouthpiece of God. So, um, you know, you, 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 you take heed of what he says. But uh, he, he had a criticism of, uh, of the milking. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that later. So let me let's have a look at because I'm sure, look, his lips a bit green, which isn't when it's under the mask. But uh, anyway, um, I, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's it's not. It, you know, you it's 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 not really like the flesh has been peeled away and you can see the bones and the sinews underneath, which you would probably do now. He's just a bit sort of green and melty, which considering people's reactions to him is it's quite light stuff. I quite like the single shots that Stotts is letting off here. But then, of course, we forgot about the android Salatine and he comes in and shoots Stotts. I remember showing this to my university friends as an example of violence in, in, in Doctor Who and them all finding this terribly funny. Whereas I remember, you know, to me, it's the most sort of action-packed and sort of grim finale to a Doctor Who. But if you're not used to television drama shot in a studio, I suppose it maybe it does look quite comical when people get shot and fall over but uh and i think the decision to have salatine hold him like that and then you know his job done it doesn't know what to do i think that's a beautiful image and the and the and the flame in front of the camera but that but that sort of doll like salatine sort of stuck with his dead master in his hands is a beautiful directorial and performance choice and the doctor the doctor you know he's met and encountered all of these people uh in this adventure but he hasn't got time you know uh he he slips through the bloodbath and picks up his friend and uh you know take takes her back to the tardis um and you know you could quibble and go well why doesn't he give it to her now uh and i suppose you go you go well he's he's, he's got to get in and safe he's got to get them off and, and safe make sure that she's she's on a journey rather than stranded uh, on, on Andrazani should anything happen to him uh you know again you can rationalize it all and it would be really boring if he had to sit and explain every one of his choices to the satisfaction of a cynical viewer and i actually i remember a friend of my mum's at work her son had liked doctor who so i'd written him a letter listing my top 10 and least favorite 10 stories or whatever as because it was during to suddenly start listing things he didn't like and he listed caves of androzani in his bottom 10 and he cited one of the reasons he cited was because when the tardis took off the ex the explosion goes off he goes well that was lucky timing wasn't it that it that it exploded just after the tardis left you go that's just a nice bit of direction and also it could be said that the tardis was you know suppressing the 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 seismic event until it went and released it however again you could you 
you can find reasons to be generous and it's not like it was a mistake it actually just it's a nice directorial touch that that keeps the action going and shows what they're leaving behind the chaos and the tumult that they are leaving behind for the sanctuary of the tardis so again but but again i think you're sympathetic when stories you like do things and you're and you're and you're prone to be more critical when stories you don't like do things so but anyway i i did think i i i I'm not sure I ever bothered to. I must have replied to him, but I, I, I don't think I pursued that that uh, friendship via correspondence as rigorously as I might have done because I thought that was a poor point on which to hang an excellent story. Um, might regenerate, he says. And yes, so what the vicar says was, well, why didn't he drink some of the bat milk while he was there? And my argument would be, he used he, he got all the bat milk that there was. There was only enough milk in the bat for one person and he gave it to perry uh, and he does say only enough for you now you can say only enough in the test tube for you he should have got some more out of the bat or you could go only enough in the bat for you and i choose that one this was an odd decision to choose to hire the actors to come back in um uh, means that the actor's got a nice little bit of extra work. We often f uh, often forget that, you know, Sarah Sutton is in the Caves of Androzani. Not a clip. She actually comes back to do it. Uh, means the Doctor's last word is Adric. I don't actually think this is a great regeneration because you don't see it happen. Um, I don't think the effect is... I think the effect in Logopolis is much more uh, emotional and, and layered because you see the sort of layers giving away. Um so much as I love Harper's direct, I'm, I'm not, I, this is fine, this regeneration. I remember it being very exciting at the time, but you don't really see it happen. So I think there are better examples of its kind. Um, although, although actually a lot of them are just crossfades from one to the other. But the Log Logopolis is my favourite regeneration from the classic era anyway nice to nice to have uh, colin right up and close uh, and that's a nice touch to have him in the in the closing titles to say he has arrived but as i say it's a bit of a shame for davidson and then oh and, and then everybody gets uh, uh, has gone from having single single slide to being on a, on a double because uh, we've got far more cast members to fit in uh, because of uh, because of the uh, rehiring of only Waterhouse, Sutton, Fielding, Strixon and Gerald Flood, renowned classical actor, Gerald Flood coming back to be the, the voice of a bad decision chameleon. <laughs> um, John Walker, excellent film cameraman and great work on that. Um, and Alan R. Buthnop, Alec Wheel, these were names to conjure when I when I was reading the credits as a boy um excellent 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 piece of television excellent piece of Doctor Who one of the best Doctor Who stories of all time I think it stands up very very well indeed and is a is a if, if I was Peter Davison I would be very pleased that I got to go out on on that high uh not every Doctor Who story can be like that. Uh, its its grimness is as a counterpoint to the zany, zestful adventuring that Doctor Who do, does much of the time. But but seeing as you know the norm of that time was was much was paced in a much more pedestrian manner was was much less ambition in ambitious in terms of depth of character sometimes of pacing of of. Um, of, of staging of the the, the, the drama of, of, of um, not only in terms of the visuals, but again, in terms of pace and in terms of atmosphere. Uh, and also, you know, Robert Holmes knew how to write Doctor Who. And a lot of that is very funny, um, but it's funny within its own, you know, caustic, sardonic, violent, cruel world. And it is about as cruel and grim as, as, as Doctor Who gets. The mistake maybe was 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 Eric Saywood realizing how good those stories were and then trying to do that all of the time, uh, and of course pendulum swing. You know, it's like with comedy. As soon as you, you know somebody does a bit of comedy that nobody's been doing for a while, it seems fresh and amazing. People go, "Oh God, we want more of that." And then of course because people are quite unimaginative. By people, I mean television executives. Quite unimaginative. They go, "Let's have 
all of all things like that and nothing that isn't like that and then everybody goes we're a bit fed up of all of that and then somebody does something else that hasn't been done for a while uh and they went oh yeah we want all of that now um whereas actually of course the beauty of doctor who is that you can follow um planet of fire with caves of androzani and then follow caves of androzani with the twin dilemma uh, and uh, i mean you couldn't get you couldn't get three more different adventures i don't think um or different styles uh, and 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 purely in terms of being you know what it is as a production caves you know towers above both of those even though um you know fiona cumming doesn't really do anything wrong with planet of fire but it's 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 not in the same league in terms of you know dram dramatics and and they're aiming for different things uh, planet of fire is trying to say interesting things about religion just says them quite slowly anyway uh but you know they're both on a sort of sandblasted planet but they both go for very you know very different things going on on them anyway look i love the caves of androzani i have to choose a favorite thing about that episode i also have to choose a favorite thing overall well i think my i'm going to work backwards i think my favorite thing overall so that i don't forget and because it's it's a unique pairing really because perry isn't a companion in planet of fire she is the new character coming in so i'm bending them i'm maybe bending it doesn't matter my rule my my house my rules um it's the fifth doctor and perry who i think are a brilliant pairing i think they're both excellent in that i think both of their performances are flawless the only slight false note is when nicola bryant says glass in that first scene and that's because it's been robbed of its context of the opening tardis scene where i think he said glass and she's mimicking how he's done that but because we lose that there's that that's that slightly awkward moment makes that's uneasy on the air makes you go what um uh and and i have to say credit and i think nicola bryant uh does a does a very good job with perry's american accent i remember it was pretended at the time that she was american um and that, that was how she spoke and i remember being with her with, with an american fan i was talking to nicola i didn't know her very well at this point and uh, this american fan said yeah yeah you didn't fool us for a moment and i was like why would you say that in front of one i i think it's a perfectly good american accent um uh, and you know maybe if you're an american you might pick up things but remember it's an american accent for british television as well which is slightly different because actually sometimes certain uh, i've done a lot of work with accents certain accents where you go for 100 percent authenticity actually sound wrong on the ear this was an, an important lesson i was taught by a dialect coach when i was doing a a, a canadian play uh and one of the actresses had the word immoral and she and and it was because it was canadian because it was north american she should have said immoral something she should have sort of rounded the other and she didn't she went immoral um which and he said that's actually wrong but if she does it correctly it will sound wrong to our ears and you will be the attention will be drawn to the accent it was a really interesting lesson about sometimes you have to bend the rules slightly uh, in order to get the right cadence for the ears of the people that you're uh, doing it to and I uh, and there's been a couple of occasions in the archers which is a radio drama where I remember once there was a Scottish character and once there was a French character and radio forgot loads of letters going well that actor's Scottish accent is awful and that French guy he sounds just so wrong it's a terrible accent and it was a French actor using his own accent and a Scottish actor using his own accent so again it's that thing of sometimes audiences are quite keen to pick up on things even though the factual basis of their uh, of their observation is incorrect um but, but the main point of that story was of this one of why has this person said this to nicola bryant to her face in the first place regardless of whether her interpretation is is correct whether, whether the the audience members interpretation is correct or not of nicola bryant's accent which as i say sounds fine to me um it's the fact that you'd say it to that actor who might have a certain amount of pride in their craft and not want to be told that you 
thought a thing even if there's the, the thing that you they were doing you didn't think they did very well um and sort of casting yourself as a hero and you go yeah you didn't fool us for a moment is it and, and also but but why you would say that to that person what could possibly be how could that person's day be made any better by you saying that to them why what and and it wasn't the person deliberately going i'm gonna have a go at nicola bryan it was actually quite a nice chat that they were having but they said that thing that and I don't think they realised it. If, but if, if you'd done that to me, if you'd come up to me about a performance I'd given and said, you know, that aspect of it, that wasn't very good, I would be desperately hurt. And credit to Nicola Bryant, who took it absolutely in her stride, was very, very, very polite back. And then when the person went away, I went, I don't know if you believe that. And she was very magnanimous and very, uh, very down to earth and very, uh, t t you know, uh, took it t t took it in a way that I don't think I would have myself uh, and I think all credit to Nicola Bryant for that um, who as I say I, I, I think her accent is good but I also think her performance in Caves is stunningly good and she actually doesn't get that much to do in episode four um, but I, I, I think I think all her interactions with Jack are, are, are superb and I think the relationship between the Fifth Doctor and Perry is brilliant, uh, and I would have liked to have seen more of them on telly because I think they, I think they're a really good pairing. So, so my my bonus thing for Caves of Androzani is um, the Fifth Doctor and Perry as a team, uh, which is a, a short-lived team on screen, who I think are among the the strongest TARDIS pairings. Of, of all time Davison I, I can't praise as an actor enough uh, didn't like his doctor at the time because he wasn't Tom Baker I've said this a lot uh, I think he's a, a, an extremely accomplished character actor he now says he was too young for Doctor Who I don't think he was I think he's an old man in a young man's body I think he's he's witty he's funny he's got that breathless energy he keeps the pace going all the time in those stories often many times which you know there's a lot of wandering up and down beige corridors to do he he keeps the intensity going sometimes through the sheer force of his performance alone and i buy that he's an intelligent you know sometimes waspish um sometimes fretful um you know and and and, and, and slightly eccentric but but wise um time you know ancient time traveler I think he's great. I think he's an excellent doctor. And I, when I was younger, was a stupid idiot. Um, but even when I was younger, I loved I loved this story. But as I say, I was quite surprised to learn it was the best story ever until I, you know, came to watch it again and went, oh no, I can see, I can see why people like this. And it's a story that I would, uh, even now, you know, I would watch for pleasure um, and 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 marvel at the the brilliance of individual shots in individual because there's a bit isn't there when when he's running on the when he's r r running on the through the sand is it through, is it during the chase or is it when he's when when he's um running back to 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 Jack's uh cave or whatever there's a bit and the camera sort of moves along with him and there's a wow a, a kind of a sort of almost westerny chasey uh refrain in in that rattlesnake music of uh of roger limbs that just seems so right and it seems like you've seen it in sort of seen and heard that combination in movies but never in doctor who and it and again it just kind of elevates doctor who to be doing things that things with bigger budgets and bigger exposure and were watched by proper grown-ups and everything did and that 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 you know that makes you feel you know elated and lifted by your show that you know often you know is made uh, with lots of imagination and drive but often you know a real sense of compromise and sometimes desperation but that i mean you know I think Harper elevates everything, and I love that. I, you know that 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 great giddy filming that he does, and and yeah, Roger Lim's score is superb as well. Um, but yeah, so Davison and and Nicola Bryant as my bonus thing, as my all round thing. And remember, uh, it might be that you know if I choose something before uh, Erica chooses it, 
so if she chooses something now as her overall thing that I've chosen from a previous episode, I get the points for that because the the odds are stacked against me. Very Androzani like, you know, the chances of getting out alive in for, for me in happy times and places are very slim. So uh, I need some. So yeah, if if I've chosen something before Erica, even if you know if I've chosen it a couple of episodes ago, I do get the point for that. I'm not going to win this because um, because uh, I'm, I'm, she's 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 already outsmarted me with her, you know. The, by playing the sexy Peter Joker on episode three, when most sensible people would have chosen the cliffhanger. Um, what's the other bit? I mean, I could choose. Do I choose the whole cast for episode four? There's, there's, you know, there's individual characters that I like. I love, I love that last image of Jack in the arms of Salatine and the the kind of, you know, the, yeah, the the kind of shut down marionette that. Uh, uh, Salatine becomes because his master is dead, and the and the you know that sad final image of that beautiful, you know, um, uh, very statuesque physique, you know, flopped into the into the arms of a of an inert robot is is there's something very moving about that, especially with that flame, and then the fact that it goes out of focus, and you and even the soundscape, the sound is beautifully done as well. Attention to detail, Graham Harper. Thank you very much. Um, I do like that last image. Stots for me was the best thing about it when I was a kid. So, you know, kudos to Morris Reeves. Um, but I think all of the cast are good. I think the fact that everyone in it is excellent, right down to, you know, bottom of the credits. Uh, David Neal is the, as the, as the president. Um, oh, so do I just say the cast? Will Erica, what will Erica, Erica's been choosing individual moments, has it? Oh, but she might just say Peter Davison's blooming ankles for all I know. There's no point trying to, there's no point trying to see what manoeuvre, how I can outmanoeuvre Erica. Um, I, and I do think it's a strong cast. But then again, what about Robert Holmes? The fact that it's written by Robert Holmes is key. It's Robert Holmes's return to Doctor Who. Since since the power of Kroll, uh, which which is has quite a few similarities as a story, and just goes to show um, how you know the, the the you know the same set pieces, subject matter, kind of characters, you know, with a few tweaks here and there, can be very very different uh, and bring different rewards and or penalties. Um, although, as listeners to Happy Times and Places will know, I'm quite fond of many aspects of the power of Kroll but I suspect if Graham Harper had directed it those scenes where they're looking on the uh, you know on the radar at the Baguel would have been much more tense than dear John Leeson going oh well this storm's going to be a daddy um but anyway uh you know it would have been George Sweeney sweating and punching the screen um but listen um so Robert Holmes the cast that image that chase, I love that chase. That um, the fact that you know the only survivors. I think I think it's the discontinuity guide say it, don't they? That you know Perry and Timmin are the only survivors of a of a male bloodbath, and and uh, Timmin's deposing of Morgus is glorious, uh, and I like that. You know, Stotts is you know you're just a man with a gun now. Uh, and 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 I I do like that sort of uneasy truce between the two. All the characters are great. Oh, I could go on. Oh, I think I probably have been. Um, uh, I mean, I could just say it's the caves of Androzani, couldn't I? I just go, it's the caves of Androzani. It's just flipping great. Uh, my favourite thing about episode four. This isn't, you know, this isn't. This isn't an official document. This isn't something that matters. So I, I don't. Sometimes I think, well, I must say the cast because they deserve to have their credit made. Uh, the, you know, the, their brilliance made official. This isn't an official document. This, this isn't some sort of golden laurel that will go down in history. Just what did you like, Toby? So I'm going to go for the image of Jack in the arms of Salatine because I think that sums up a lot of what is superior about this story that kind of attention to detail that kind of emotional investment in the characters that kind of grimness because it is a beautiful image and yet the doctor just runs past it picks up perry and <laughs> sots off the fact that it goes out of focus so that what it sounds like as well it's just a tiny moment that encapsulates the class of the entire production 
and I'm sure Robert Holmes will get his dues elsewhere, uh, as will all of those actors. And yeah, get over yourself, Toby. So for episode four, the image of Shara's Jack in the arms of Salatine's the robot Salatine, uh, and my overall thing is the relationship between Peter Davison as Doctor Who and Nicola Bryant as Perry, and that winning pair. And I mean, now I know I've just said Nicola Bryant and winning, but I mean the winning pair that is Peter Davison and Perry, not in any other sort of quiet at the back. So, um, uh, right, Erica is, I just need to line Erica up. Erica's favourite thing about episode four. Episode four. Well, I just think um, the, the romantic side of me, I just I just like the way the the doctor um, got the bat to milk and save and save Perry. Um, I think it was just beautifully done. Um, him fighting not only um, his own uh, illness from spectroxemia, but fighting to get the bat's milk, fighting to save Perry. And this was a situation that he stumbled upon. Um, he wasn't um, sent or he didn't men, um, men, men, um, meddle. He, he just found himself, as he says, in this local war. And I just, I just like the good old fashioned storytelling of um, him getting the the um, the antidote and rescuing the girl. Okay, so a a kind of special uh, thing to mention that this this is the first ever regeneration I I witnessed. Uh, I was a bit too young to remember Tom to Peter, but this was my first favorite. Uh, first, sorry regeneration um of of actually watching an episode go out and the new doctor coming in and i remember feeling very sad and then the excitement of of here's the new doctor here's here he is um and i just remember the, the, the thrill and the excitement of um of seeing it um for the first time and um, I didn't get to see another one then until um, Sylvester McCoy um, turned into Paul McGann because we didn't get a Colin one. So I was glad to um, to, to see an actual uh, live regeneration. OK, um, so that's been my unusual picks for the podcast. Um, I hope... That's all right, Toby. Oh, don't worry, Erica. Some people have chosen more unusual things than, than that. I think yours, yours were perfectly reasonable. I do think your choice of Peter Davison's uh, death being, you know, because he stumbled upon something, um, you know, which fits with the tone of that piece is, is, is a good choice because, you know, it is an heroic uh, gesture in, a, in what is a relatively minor skirmish. But, of course, it doesn't matter how minor it is if the stakes are high because you're invested in the characters and the situation is made as tense as possible. You don't need to destroy universes if you don't want to. And I think it's it's uh, important for Doctor Who to occasionally go, no, no, we can get great drama out of a local war. We don't have to destroy half the universe and then forget to put it back <clears throat> uh, in, in order to give a sense of scale. And I would argue that actually there's more of a sense of scale because you feel every individual death in that in a way that you don't when you see you know a planet blotting out that you've never been to so i th i think it's instructive for doctor who to sometimes realize that it can tell a story with relatively s small stakes you know the not even the earth is under threat in the caves of andrazani which is a sort of cardinal rule of new who and an, an understandable one and one i have a huge deal of sympathy for but actually you know that Robert Holmes is is capable of breaking all of the rules and still making it work, um, and 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 also that you know the fact that it's relatively small stakes, the fact that there's a lot of unluckiness that goes into Davison's demise, you know, has a has a sort of dramatic cussedness to it. Has a has a, has a it's 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 it it works within the tone of that 
piece and the t and Harper's given it the correct tone for that to go you know it's a it's a sort of pointless death as many are in stupid wars and stupid battles over money and drugs and whatever um and you know and the doctor's essentially just caught in the crossfire which is pretty grim but it's a grimness that works because it means that you feel it and you feel the pointlessness of it um and and you know that creates this sort of grimy sweaty unfair unjust world of this particular story in a in a series which you know can often be about you know a, 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 somebody in a brightly colored coat you know arriving on a planet and going indubitably i shall be getting into the affairs of these strangely hatted people um and it's all a bit sort of jolly and sometimes silly so you know it's a great leveler in that way the caves of androzani that that i think does the series some good um to say you wouldn't you wouldn't want it to always be like that and yes the first regeneration i can i can totally understand and it's a and I, I you know i was a bit i was a bit hard on the regeneration um but again i this is entirely personal isn't it the first regeneration i saw was tom baker's and and that is very very well done and also you know the the flashbacks eclipse to old stories and i was you know when i was being brought up anything that had a clip from an old story automatically made that episode better because it was something from something from before when things were better and not like the present which has me in it which i loathe um so you, you know it's if we're, we're all a product of our own uh, external and internal stimuli so actually you know there's 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 nothing wrong with the the Davison debate it is actually one of the best regenerations because at least it has some you know it has a pace and a rhythm and, and it builds to a climax in a way that some of those simple crossfades don't and in a way that some of those ones where it's botched because we don't see it or you know one of the actors wasn't there or, or whatever and and all the new ones are, are pretty much the same so uh you know so actually you know i'm almost regret what i what i said at the end of this the, the you know what 10 minutes ago um in the in the in the whole great mosaic you know in the whole you know great pantheon of of doctor who changes of lead actor it's probably one of the most effective it's just i think for for, for me having you know sucked on the teat of logopolis i uh um i i i um I found the taste of what came from the udders of the caves of Androzani was not as satisfying. Wow, I don't know where that went, and I'm not particularly happy that it did. But you get my meaning. It's a great sequence, and and as you know, and the fact that Davison has the precognizance of it before the ship crash lands as well. It means that the whole thing is building. There's an inexorable build towards the inevitability of the end of the story which is the death of the leading man so no well done so even though um you know i i'm i'm may never love it in the way that it should be loved because of you know what i had been exposed to prior to that and the, and the time that i saw logopolis which meant it was so momentous for me and then of course i was a huge an ancient and cynical what uh how old uh a nine ten year old when caves of androzani was on you know well um so no it is a very good regeneration and i can see why erica would would choose it um you know and it's it's none of your oh, oh uh, you, you shall be killed for just standing around at the end of the story and i'll zap you with that laser beam now go and eat an ice cream and be sad uh so <laughs> right caves of androzani what a brilliant Doctor Who story. Erica Lear, what a brilliant Doctor Who personage. Uh, and I'm glad I finally got around to doing that because she is one of the, the earliest people to respond to the call. And as I say, well, I was slightly, oh, come on, Eric, you've, you've snapped up one of the favourites. Um, I, I can't think of anybody I would rather have given Peter Davison's last story to than the uber davison fan uh that is erica lear so thanks to erica um who, who her, her liverpool events and conventions are great she's a terrific character so do avail yourself of her and her wares if you can her husband alan will be along to do the curse of fenric at some point uh so uh it's not the last we have heard from the lear household um 
so uh, we will be we will be hoping that they will let us in again and not shut the doors on me and 50 of my knights uh, as we uh, come to, to turn up to watch uh, the curse of Fenric uh, but that's not that's not imminent as you know these I, I mix up the order of these to mix up the style of stories and to mix up the contributors and to mix up the eras and everything so we will be doing something completely different next time I think I'm going for a little bit of black and white right back to olden times and then I'll be going forward to some modern who and uh, then we'll just uh, keep going in this random quest to find all that is good about uh, Doctor Who and to celebrate any anything good I can squeeze from the nipples <laughs> uh, like the doctor with the queen bat then all I will squeeze all the goodness from the from the nipples of any passing doctor who story uh, and uh, and uh, um, sup uh, on the benefits of its goodness i was gonna say it's lactic goodness then but you get well anyway there we are um i think i i think i've ended on a suitably milky note uh and thank you to erica thanks to you for listening that was the caves of androzani what a classic wasn't it adric Well, thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Erica Lear, who you can find on Twitter at EricaLear3. I'm grateful to Erica and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Lisa and Andrew, David Matthewman, John McClay, Ross McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Christopher Newman, Matthew Newton, Graham Knott, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, Jonathan Potter, Kevin Parker, Scott Pride, Dylan Reese, John Rivers, Mark Sandon, Jim Sangster, Graham Slate, David Shepherdson, Stephen, all small case but no surname, Neil Tate, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Andrew Willis, Andrew Wilson, Sydney Wilson, and Stephen White. The music is by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Now, the eagle-eared amongst you will notice that David Matthewman, who I credited there, I credited on the last episode by mistake as Dave Matthewman. I have no idea if David objects to Dave or not. It was because I was close to um, saying, you know, the name of the music guy, who is Dave Gates. So I think I, I turned David into Dave. And then I had a moment preparing this one where I thought, oh, God, do I have to go back and redo that? Because uh, some people might very much object. I remember working with an actor called Jonathan who I called John once he went no it's Jonathan he wasn't unkind or anything but he was you know no mate it's Jonathan um and I don't know if if David is you know no it's not it's not Dave it's David uh, it's proper David as opposed to other Dave anyway that's a different story so un, un, you know if you like the way I pronounced David's name because he might not have done so he, he basically got he's, he's been twice in a row uh, not everyone gets twice in a row. You get your name read out occasionally if you are a patron of this podcast. Uh, more often, the higher up the tiers that you go, or in David's case, uh, twice in a row, but in different iterations, in case one of them is deeply offensive. Uh, I am grateful to everybody, uh, even those whose names I get right. <laughs> uh, and they are people who've all gone to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, you can get your name read out on the credits, usually properly. Um, but, you know, I can abbreviate it if you like. I can I can say it in, in whatever way you choose. You get to tell me. Um, uh, or not, you can remain anonymous. I, you know, you, some people have preferred not to be outed, and I completely understand why. Um, and some have preferred to use pseudonyms which is why there's a robin bland and there's a sydney wilson and uh, various other people who are hiding their names to protect the innocent um i should also point out that actually i don't think i read her name foolishly erica lear is also uh, a patron having joined patron to listen to herself uh, being on the podcast which I, is perfectly fine in fact that's, that's what i should do to everybody isn't it is go yes if you want to listen you have to so uh, so hello erica i know you're listening 
uh, pretty much as soon as I've done this. Thank you for a great contribution and for the contribution to the Patreon, which I'm taking a very long time to say is a thing you can do. Patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, uh, where, I mean, getting your name read out on the credits is, is the smallest of the things you get done. You also get bonus releases. You get your own special podcast, far too much information, and you get early releases of all the podcast, which you get far in advance of iTunes. It feels weird doing it, doesn't it? Going, oh, you can go to this place and donate money, but it's not a grift. There's three releases a week. I, I do produce stuff for it and if you don't like it you don't have to pay for it if you only like it enough not to have to pay for it you don't have to because it's out on itunes and spotify and all those places but if you're inclined to subsidize i hesitate to say the arts but self-employed chatterboxes uh that's what that's partially how comedians and performers and writers uh, and purveyors of information or enthusiasm um uh, it's it's part of how we do what we do these days and i'm trying not to be shy about it although it, it it's not a natural fit he says whilst still wearing the clothes so you know uh if the suit fits toby wear it so yeah patreon.com forward slash toby Adoke. there's no expectation there at all but yeah there is there there are rewards if if you can count such things as rewards and if you don't that's fine and also i know that times are tough times are tough for everybody and increasingly so uh so if you do not want to do or can't do the monthly commitment you can do a one-off contribution at ko-fi.com forward slash toby if you just occasionally want to buy me uh you know a coffee um or you can do what costs you nothing um by supporting these at you know podbean spotify itunes by leaving a five-star review and lots of lovely comments they really help Well, this has been a long one, so um, I'll, I'll sort of cut it off there, I guess. Uh, we've, we've hit the hour. Goodness me. Um, Caves is great, though, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's odd that, uh, that, that thing, well, you know, so, something is so championed by everybody. I, I, I completely understand that desire to sort of go, therefore, it's a fresh new perspective if I if I can sort of point out what's wrong with it. And I do feel that inclination about certain things, but I, I honestly don't with Caves. That one's been no effort to uh, to sing to high heaven uh, about because uh, because it's 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 one that I really like. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, yeah, Martin Cochran. Oh, who as uh, recently in a in a in a who thing doing the rounds. Uh, it's been suggested online is the brother of Michael Cochran, who is in Black Orchid and Ghostlight. Uh, they're not. They're not brothers. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Uh, Michael Cochran is uh, is very English, and Martin Cochran is is rather Scottish. Uh, and I think they have played brothers, but they're not brothers. But Martin Cochran, who is Chellac, is married to Adrian Burgess, who is Veet in uh, The Sunmakers. And uh, they were some of the earliest people I did for Who's Round because. Louise Jameson still knows Adrienne, uh, who's who's frustratingly not on the DVD of The Sunmakers, which is mad um, because they they know each other. Um, uh, and she's married to Martin and they actually live not far from somewhere I had to be um, a couple of weeks after Louise had dropped me the line. So it all just sank into place. But it's an early interview, so it's not one of my best. Uh, and it's quite a short one. I think we only did 20, 25 minutes. So... Uh, uh, it was it was pretty much in and out, um, but uh, it was nice to do, and they were nice people. And uh, Martin's had a very interesting career. He's in he's in the film Patriot Games, uh, and he was also in a series called Specials that was launched with a couple of other dramas uh, uh, when the BBC were doing some new dramas in the sort of mid eighties. And Ron Donachie, who's in uh, uh, who's also Scottish, who's in the uh, uh, tooth and claw was playing a brummy and he was obviously supposed to be the sort of colorful character because um, it was it was set in the midlands and it was yeah specials and had quite a good theme um and and it was released with you know no little um sort of enthusiasm uh and uh, was a bit of a damp squib and has vanished without trace nobody remembers specials now but martin was essentially the lead or the highest ranking you know of of the ensemble 
Um, and then I think he took a bit of time out from from acting, and he's but he's back. But I noticed him. Uh, I watched Mission Impossible Four the other day, and he was he was one of the Senate in that. I didn't notice him having a line, but maybe he did because I didn't realise it was him till later. Um, but he's there, and he, he must have had a line at some point, um, even if it didn't make it into the cup. But I don't know. I can't. But but yeah, he's there. He's in Mission Impossible Four. Um, which spookily I was watching and going, oh yeah, Jeremy Renner's interesting. He's a good presence and blah blah blah. blah. And then you know, come off watching that because it's the one Mission Impossible film I hadn't hadn't seen for some reason. It hadn't been available for for free when I was in the Mission Impossible mood, having taken my son to see the latest one in the cinema. So I caught up over Christmas on Mission Impossible. Was delighted to see Martin Cochran. Then Jeremy Renner. I was going, oh Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner. And then you know, clicked on my internet to notice the news that Jeremy Renner had run himself over with a snowplow was was in critical condition in hospital as i record this he seems to be doing better but uh, it's going to you know it's going to take some rebuilding i think so um so I, I mean i don't know what any of that means but it shows how my thought processes can go from uh something that happened ages ago to something that happened quite recently to tie in with something else that was being done to tie in with something that is as i record this you know literally hot off the press to when you listen to this will be part of history <laughs> so what that says about time i don't know but it's it's that the threads all seem to join in some odd way that is of is, is of no matter to anybody it's all remarkably trivial um like the doctor's death in the caves of androzani so we kind of end on a sort of point the sort of point that actually it's all ultimately rather pointless but is that what is that what i do i do i i acknowledge the pointlessness of what i do but i may as well enjoy it there's no point in being pointless as we all are uh there's no point in being pointless unless you can revel in the pointlessness for the pointlessness that it is and that in the end is the point